Hello, everyone. This is the Seedstruck Movie Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Quinn. Joining me today are my co-host, John. Hello, everyone. And Curtis. Hi there. Today, we've decided to talk about um, a movie from the 90s, which is a canon film of mine. It's an Irish film called Waking Ned Divine. came out in 1998, uh, starring David Kelly and Ian Bannon. Great film, very fun, funny. Uh, but before we get into that and what we've watched this week and uh, what we've added to our watch list, um, here on the Seed Struck Movie Podcast, uh, John and Curtis and I are all uh, we're all hip hop fans, <laughs> and uh, I received some pretty sad news this morning that uh. Canada lost one of the uh, one of the best rappers in the country, um, Pat Stay. He was uh, stabbed to death in Halifax at 36 years old. So uh, here on the Seed Struck Movie Podcast, we uh, we send our love and uh, yeah, we're we're thinking of him and his family. So rest in peace to Pat Stay. Rest in peace for sure. But yeah, so. Um, moving ahead here um why don't we start with uh what we watched this week um john do you want to kick us off there yeah sure i it's been i've actually been able to watch a lot of stuff uh because uh as i told a few friends i've i'm sick with covid19 i'm infected with the deadly novel coronavirus uh, actually all things considered i'm doing okay but uh uh had a lot of time to watch a lot of uh, kind of a wide variety of things so though the first thing i watched uh earlier i think it was early actually last week but didn't get a chance to talk about it was the um i watched the uh, restoration of the, the 2011 restoration of the i mean classic 1902 silent film uh, a trip to the moon or uh, le voyage dans la lune by uh, george mel melier it's a um, great film <laughs> uh, really really amazing film of course i mean it's one of those films it's like a mount rushmore film i mean it's up there with all the great you know classic early foundational silent art films and um, what i what i found really fascinating about especially the um, the restored version is um, just how I mean, it really added so much to it watching the colorized version, um, just the, the the effort that was put into um, the actual animation of it and the color added to it. And not only that, but the soundtrack that was added as well, too, um, I think added a lot to the film. It kind of gave this this almost like, a, um, I don't know, like ethereal kind of dreamscape, prog, rocky kind of um, sound score to it. Uh, by the French band Air, which is almost like the French Goblin or whatever. It was really cool, and and I would, you know, if you, it was like the, it was almost like putting on like a stoner out metal like background music or something. It gave it this weird kind of mystical quality. It was very, um, very cool to watch. I mean, I mean, what an amazing film for its time. Uh, I mean, the story is what it is, but it's it's just the set design and the way it's shot. It's it's a masterpiece, and just the history behind the film is so fascinating. The fact that this film. I mean, for its time, uh, George Melier, like when he was much older, almost, you know, burned the film like he could have cared less about it in the 20s. And this film was during during the time period, the 20, 30 years when it was released, it was considered nothing. But it wasn't until kind of the, the 1920s when that wave of French filmmakers that was coming up um, discovered it and kind of really brought it to the forefront and ended up becoming um, kind of restored and copies of the films were eventually found. The, at least the black and white film was found and brought to the the Museum of uh, Modern Arts, uh, but it wasn't until much, much later, later that people actually discovered uh, the 
the colorized version i don't think it was until the 90s that it was discovered so um it's it's pretty amazing to watch i, I watched on movie and I, I had a really great time uh with it it's a, i mean it's a short it's a silent film from the the first decade of the ninth of the 20th century so it's a it's not a very long film i think it's probably just around an hour or or, or some that but uh, really really impressed by it i was really taken by just the sheer creativity and uh, when you watch a lot of these older films, especially from the silent era, you just see like it's a great way to learn kind of the texture of how films are, are made and how cinema is made. So I had a really great time with it. I actually would really recommend it. Um, I also watched another movie. I, I mostly watched TV this recently, but I did watch another movie. Um, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit late to the game. Everyone, it was all up in the discourse last year. Uh, but the uh, HBO film the, from the Music Box series uh, by Bill Simmons, uh, Woodstock 99, Peace, Love and Rage. Uh, which was a total waste of time. I, I mean, I got to tell you, if I have to watch another fucking of these late 90s, early 2000s, like <laughs> movies where it's like, well, it was Monica Lewinsky and The Matrix and Fight Club. And that's what made men well, all angry. I, actually, I, I think the Netflix one is quite good, though, because it dives into a lot of issues with the toxic masculinity that I think is kind of latent, but not really talked about, too. So I thought that was well done, but. I don't know this oh, one. Well, like, yeah. oh, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm willing to get hurt again because I mean I really did not like this documentary. I thought it was very. Um, I, I'm just I'm, I'm sick of these like kind of nostalgic lookbacks. They're almost like listicle documentaries that want to just apply 2022 sense of you know sentiments. And I, I'm not to say that you can't look back to the past with you know modern lens, but I find too many of these films try to really shoehorn in a lot of our modern conceptions on certain issues without really taking in the full context of things. Like the, the film name drops like movies like Fight Club. Fight Club came out months after Woodstock 99 and it was a big box office bomb. It wasn't until years later it became more of a hit. And I, I mean, I, I found the fact that it didn't really like focus too much on the music itself, which frankly, the music in Woodstock 99 wasn't that good. I, I, and, 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 and yeah, like more, fucking, fucking, fucking new metal. I don't know. It's worth like going to the new metal or like, <laughs> and even more concerningly, the film makes a point about the fact that there were so many young girls and women there that were nude or, you know, men were egging them on to, you know, quote unquote, show us your tits. And, and the film says, Oh, you know, MTV, all these, all these media there, they were exploring the women. They were showing their bodies. The fucking doc could have fooled me because the documentary just can't go a second without show showing tits in my face. I don't think they asked any of the women in this footage if they wanted them to be in there. And they even admit that some of the women might have been underage. So I guess I'm going to get locked up for watching this shitty HBO documentary. What a what a piece of junk. And the fact that they don't actually hold the actual management of the festival to account. Uh, the ones that actually were the ones who were responsible, in my opinion, uh, for a lot 100%. of what they and it just felt like it was playing blame what, what, on like what's what, what baseball hats and not the actual people <laughs> no. who organized the festival. It was it was it was frustrating. And, and those fucking assholes who did uh organize the festival, they were like, Oh well, how can you how can you blame it on us? Like they were like chirping the media. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> Like what? Like who do you think's responsible if you aren't you fucking asshole? Yeah, you guys are the ones who made the festival. I did like some of it though. I like the fact that they kind of went back to the original Woodstock and said, you know what? You've seen the footage. You've heard your parents, you know, talk about peace and love. It wasn't all cracked up to be, and that's true. I mean, the original Woodstock was ripe with with sexual assault and rape and a lot of violence. There's a lot of stuff not talked about that's been glossed over by that you know that Woodstock film and by history. And there's a little bit. There was a really great interview by Jewel talking about kind of that period of time. 30 years after Woodstock, kind of a, an older, but not quite old enough yet, baby boomer core that was now now at the establishment of kind of society mm -hmm. and leadership. I mean, this was the decade of Bill Clinton, the first baby boomer president, I, and kind I, of trying I, to take Gen X 
nostalgia and mine it for capitalism and it just wasn't it wasn't good it was it i, was so I do i do have to say though i think it was a great performance from james brown i know quinn likes james brown but like seeing oh, him yeah. soaked in sweat on the stage first, I'm like, that's first a, one on stage that's one, yeah. the one good thing about that fucking show and uh, the tragically <laughs> hit played as well too they had a day oh really well they played, oh, wow. yeah I did also find uh, there was they interview a couple one guy who uh, went with his friend. It's a pretty tragic story because I, I don't want to spoil too much, but one of the friends dies unfortunately, and it's uh, it's very sad. And but I, I just found like it, it the the film the editing of it was just so it was jumping around. It was trying to talk about you know guys in backwards baseball hats leading to Trump, and I was like I don't I don't see these connections. I felt like it was too it was like guys that with just trying to produce their think pieces in this documentary. This didn't work with me. Um, it felt like it could have put a lot more focus on the actual event itself and the shitty quality of the music itself. And it really didn't. I do think there's something <laughs> to be biscuit. said about this, this period of time where they, they kind of say there is, there was kind of like two cultures. You had, you know, what MTV was really promoting, which was like Britney Spears and sync kind of this modern wave of pop like, and, and boy, like re, the, Creed or the something. boy band revitalization. <laughs> and then at the same time, on the other hand, you had this kind of underground, but actually arguably just as popular movement of hip hop and, and new metal. And the truth is a lot of those movements, were supported by working class people, people of color. The idea that all these people were just like white guys with backwards baseball hats is totally just not accurate. I don't want to get more of a rant on this, but I was really upset and I just had a, I kind of checked out halfway through. I don't know if I could stomach that that Netflix one though. If I if I watch it, it's the same thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. It's basically scream. it's the same story. I think it's done a little bit better, but you know it's still kind of the same. Over, there's a lot of overlap, I think. I think once you've seen one, it's like watching the two Fire Festival documentaries. Yeah, why, I think why seen do they one, make you know? these back to back? Is this like an Ant's Bugs Life situation where, oh, we had no idea Netflix we get was doing one? Like, we get a special interview with Billy McFarland. Do none of these guys <laughs> gossip between each other? Do none of them leak info? Like, oh, yeah, we're working on a Fire Festival. Document. Oh, wow, we are too. Like, I don't know. It's so dumb. Um, but uh, on the other hand, I did watch something really cool. As I mentioned uh, a while back, I've been doing a little bit of a watch through of the uh, Dario Argento filmography. I've, of course, seen Suspiria. I love that. Uh, but I've never seen his other films. So I I watched the Three Animals uh, trilogy, which I thought was pretty average. I mean, they're kind of front of the mill giallos. I like the first film out of the three. Uh, but I watched uh, this week, I watched Deep Red, which was um, a lot better. I mean, it has some of its flaws. The story is kind of an incomprehensible mess, but I did like the mystery behind it. And it's the first film to feature Goblin. So it's got a great score. Um, it's stylized too. Yeah, I love I love the uh, performances. David Hemmings is a good actor. It's kind of funny. He's the far and away the the least homophobic uh, Argento protagonist, but he's definitely the most misogynistic. So, you know, tit for tat, <laughs> you take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it also some... features uh, uh, Dario Nicolodi, who's, who's Argento's uh, wife, who's also in a bunch of films throughout uh, kind of his creative height. Um, you know, the story is pretty interesting. It's sort of this, um, we're at this kind of conference with this psychic medium who she sees this kind of grisly murder event and it traumatizes her. And then a bit later in the evening, uh, this man, uh, uh, Marcus Daly, who David Hemmings plays, he's this jazz pianist, He's walking around outside, you know, he's in Rome, walking around the streets outside, outside this bar. He looks up, he sees the woman be murdered. And it's kind of funny, you know, all these Argento giallos, the police are seemingly totally fucking absent. It's all these random dudes or women that happen to be proximal to the murders who end up being kind of the investigators. So him and this other woman who's sort of a, a journalist kind of start to investigate the murder and, and what happens. We find out that the man investigating the main character also is being kind of stalked by this killer and it leads this kind of web story. I actually really enjoyed the story in this, even though it was a bit confusing. I thought the mystery was good. Some really creepy kills. I think Argento's direction in this was pretty sharp above 
is an early reference. I mean, this is his last film before Suspiria. I didn't like this as much as Suspiria, but there's a lot of people who like, like think to them, this is actually their favorite Argento or considered one of the best giallos. I haven't I, seen I got, enough. I, I got to go but... with uh, Tenebre personally, but I love Sus the original Suspiria and the, the remake too. I literally like the remake too, so. Yeah, but uh, I I have to watch the rest of it. But uh, I, I still had a good time with this. I particularly like the the sequence where it goes to the, <laughs> the haunt, not, not the haunted house, but the old house, the old manor, and it's very creepy. It's very dark, and I love that kind of sense of dread. There's some really good moments here where I, I think uh, I think you'll really like the, the I think attention. you like phenomena too. I'm excited to hear you see what you think about that one too. When you oh, get is to that, that the Jennifer Connelly one? Yeah, yeah, that, that's she, a good one actually. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, but yeah, that was Deep Red. Dug it. Uh, I'm going to skip Suspiria because I'm going to rewatch it soon. So I'm probably going to watch Inferno next and uh, see how I like it. Uh, but I did watch some TV as well, too. Um, just yesterday, I finished watching the HBO uh, limited series, the one they did with, uh, I think, Sky, called uh, The Third Day, uh, starring Jude Law. The, the series is basically roughly split into two halves, following two people going to this kind of mysterious English island. Um, Jude Law is this man who... Um, is is mourning the, the recent loss of his son he's going through the woods and he happens to see this young girl attempt to hang herself he saves her um, and finds out that she lives nearby in this town so he drives to bring her over there and it, it, it was really interesting it's a little bit of kind of folk horror it has takes a lot you know it has a lot of the same plot framework as like wicker man or midsummer but i really dug it um, but I found the second half, the latter three episodes, um, not nearly as good. It felt a little contrived. So, uh, but I also found that apparently they did, they aired on, um, on HBO's Facebook page, a 12 hour live event, kind of midway between both episodes, kind of like a little stage play thing that kind of bridges the plot and, and kind of follows the character. I don't want to spoil it to you. If I tell you, it's going to spoil the plot, but I couldn't believe it. I tried to watch a bit of it. I'm like, I'm not going to watch 12 hours. Like I, this is pulling over time. So I'm sorry. I missed it. You mean you it don't have 12 hours to spare? You don't it have 12 hours to spare? Well, there's only six episodes. <laughs> all six are on Crave. This 12 hour live event was not. So I, I totally missed it until after I was reading reviews and comments and people like, did you watch the 12 hour live event with television history? And I was like, I, I didn't, but I'm not going to do that. Sorry, but if it's not the Super Bowl or something, I'm not going to pull that much time. Uh, I, I, I watched the, um, with my brother when the force awakens came out i went with him and we watched the, the entire star wars marathon from start to finish it started at like 4 a.m and ended after midnight and i it was an experience but i would never want to do that again it was i can never i can never do that again when an adult i'm a busy man i got a job i gotta pay taxes i i just cannot do that it's never gonna happen again um so but i i think the series was kind of a mixed bag i thought the, the way it was shot was really well done uh, created by the uh, showrunners behind the series Utopia, which a lot of people like. And I mean, Jude Law on TV, he's been doing really great work. I know I haven't seen that Young Pope show. People talk about it, but the guy's a phenomenal actor. Great performance by him, too, in this. Um, but I did watch, uh, been on my backlog for a long time, the HBO series John Adams, uh, created by, uh, mostly created uh, directed by Tom Hooper, which I, I, I don't like a lot of Tom Hooper's films, but this is easily the best thing he's done, in my opinion, even though, you know, take your Dutch angles and leave it. I mean, he's got a spe specific type of style that a lot of people hate, um, but I, I, I wasn't that bothered by it. But the film is uh, based on the uh, biography by David McCullough, who's done all other political biographies, talking about the founding father, the, the first vice president, the uh, second president of the United States, uh, John Adams, a really interesting story. Um, part of the appeal behind this, uh, too, is that, you know, John Adams, he wasn't a war hero like uh, President Washington. He wasn't this sort of effervescent, witty creator man, uh, you know, womanizer like Ben Franklin. He wasn't uh, a strong federalist like Thomas Jefferson. He was just a, kind of a more of a normal man and someone who 
kind of unwillingly ended, entered into this revolution. I think the film does a good job at, you know, taking these figures that were mythologized throughout history, American history, these larger than life figures, and really bringing it back to these were just normal people like you and me. I mean, some of them came from wealth and money, but, you know, these were regular people. And especially the first few episodes, it really shows like the revolutionaries almost in like a negative light. I mean, they're not negative, but it shows them as being, you know, prone to violence, very irritable, you know, doing pulling acts of violence that, you know, make you kind of wonder if, you know, who the real bad guys are a bit. But um, it's really compelling. Great performance by Paul Giamatti. The final episodes, I think, were really strong, uh, particular finale. Um, I, I Some great performances. Laura Linney plays Abigail Adams. And just the relationship between Abigail and John Adams, um, especially in the last episode, I was getting genuinely choked up and, and, and emotional because it's really fascinating. Abigail and John, Abigail, unlike a lot of other women at the time, was very educated. They both saw each other as equals uh, during a period of time where, you know, women didn't even have this hundred years before women even had the right to vote. And, you know, there's there's so many love letters between them and correspondence and a lot of other figures of the time just burnt their letters. They're like, this is just waste of paper. I'm going to toss it. But famously, all of John Adams correspondence and letters was kept. And so we have thousands of letters and documents really which helped to actually chronicle the true history of these figures and it you really see their love and commitment and it's just it was so beautiful and powerful and uh, i just thought the the performances in this were, were great i mean i've heard people call this one of the all-time best miniseries and I'm, I'm inclined to agree i do think some of the episodes sort of in the middle it it starts to time skip so it starts off before the revolution then during the first presidency and then in john adams presidency and then post-presidency but uh, it jumps around a lot um, and I, I found the middle, it kind of got a bit muddled because it felt like it was skipping a lot, but it, it had a really strong ending. And it was very, it gave a really good morally complex look at John Adams. It wasn't just portraying him as this great guy. He's someone who has some legitimate foibles. And I think the fact that it was so honest about it, it was kind of a hard watch at times because you're like, I don't even know if I like this guy that much. He seems like kind of an asshole. And you're like, I can see why his political career fell apart because you, you see what the mistakes he made, but you also see the mistakes he made knowing deep down it was the right thing to do, knowing it would kill his career, knowing it would kind of destroy his friendship and close relationship with Thomas Jefferson and all that stuff. So um, I, I was really struck by it. It makes me want to actually go and now read that biography by David McCullough, which I've heard is amazing and get into his other books because it just painted such a rich texture of, of history. So, and I love early American history too. So uh, that, that was, that was it for what I watched. Um, let's see, Quinn, what did you, uh, what did you watch this week? Yeah, um, so I only watched a couple of things this week. Uh, the first thing I watched was a movie called Sinister, uh, starring Ethan Hawke. Um, <laughs> I had never seen it before, and I just felt like a I don't it's know. I like <clears throat> yeah, I just felt like watching a horror movie that I hadn't seen. And uh, to be honest, eh, it was okay. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of. It's not bad, but I wasn't that yeah, bad either. I, it's getting too late, I think. Uh, uh, I have a I have a little bit of a, a hate towards Blumhouse. I find most of their horror <laughs> movies, but uh, anyways, yeah. Basically, Ethan Hawke he's a writer, um, and he moves into this house, and uh, he doesn't tell his family, but a pretty messed up uh, tragedy happened there, where it was uh, a few kids were hung on this tree, and he is trying to get to the bottom of it, and he's he's writing about that and uh so he's trying to get to the bottom of things he ends up going in the attic and he finds a box full of film reels and a eight millimeter projector and he starts watching these creepy home videos of um 
these horrible acts of murder and yeah. stuff like that. So um, anyways, yeah, mediocre movie. I don't really have much else to say. Uh, I, yeah, I like those like home video stuff, like some aspects of the film. Are really yeah, good. like it was they look whole, pretty realistic, but wasn't a fan. It just what I just didn't find it scary at all. I found it like like just really like it was almost like a thriller if like anything. A procedural, I was like, yeah, almost like yeah, just... like I found like the makeup was off too. These like kids, but I also watched Pig finally, uh, starring Nicolas Cage, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good movie. Um, cool story. Uh, Nicolas Cage, he lives in. Uh, the wilderness in Oregon, and he has this truffle truffle pig. Oh, I love that little pig. <laughs> yeah, he's beautiful. And, uh, you know, he sells these truffles to high-end restaurants. That's kind of how he make his, makes his living. And one thing leads to another, and somebody steals his pig. So he has he goes into Portland, Oregon, the city where he's had a past, and he's trying to find um, the person or people who took his pig and uh, sort of get revenge on them. And uh, yeah, anyways, it's a pretty, pretty sad story, but it's a, a really good movie. Well, it's well shot and everything. So check out pig. I, I went into that one. I think I wanted, I think maybe it was unfair of me, like my expectations. I wanted it to be more like a Mandy kind of film, but it obviously it's not that kind of movie, you know, yeah. when, when you watch like John Wick yeah. things. <laughs> We took Nick Cage my pig. Pig <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I quite enjoyed it. Um, and I I would almost be willing to see a sequel. Uh, you know, in in, in a way, um, I found there was a couple of elements of the movie that were sort of left out that could have been in there. And but uh, no, good runtime was like an hour and a half, punchy, super quick. But uh, yeah, what about uh, what about Curtis? What'd you watch, dude? I watched quite a few things this week, so I'll just speed through it um so i actually played this last week too before my graphics card bit the dust um it was called it's called beyond two souls it's a video game but it has kind of an all-star cast it stars uh elliot page uh, before he transitioned and willem dafoe and elliot page's character um plays this character and and um his character has uh these kind of uh supernatural powers too and willem dafoe is like this psychiatrist and it kind of it's presented kind of not in a non-linear way too so you know you have these chapters where you're in this like navajo uh ranch and then you have like another chapter where you're like <laughs> escaping the police on a train and you have another chapter where you play a homeless person um so it's very creative it's done by uh david cage who did the quantico he does quantico games he's this french writer and he kind of has this kind of mixed reception because he did games like heavy rain and detroit become yeah. human but he like Jason. he's also known, yeah, yeah, Jason, yeah. But he's kind of known for being a little bit all over the place too. So I think yeah. this is actually his the the least well received game of the three. And actually, I think like, I mean, it, it it's beautiful to look at. I love like playing the different chapters, but it, it's just a mess. Like, and I don't really know what the story is going. And I wasn't very satisfied with the story. And yeah, there was just too much too much jumping around. I think too, and we didn't have enough like. The problem I think is this kind of the inconsistencies of the characters too. Like you're, there's this douchebag, and then like the next chapter you're supposed to like go on a date with them, and I'm like, well, I don't even like this guy. Like, can I can I fuck up their date? Like, so uh, yeah, I mean, it was okay, but you know, I think uh, Heavy Rain's a much better game, and I'm hoping I can play Detroit Become Human when I get a new graphics card to, for my computer. I also finally watched Train to Busan too. This is a famous 
uh, South Korean movie too. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically about these uh, commuters and they're stuck on this train and there's a pandemic that breaks out and they have to get off the train. And there's this asshole CEO. Well, I won't spoil it, but um, we know the asshole I'm talking about in that movie. But yeah, I mean, I liked a lot about it too. I didn't like it. I, I think it was a little bit overhyped maybe, but... Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was amazing. It's like one of my favorite movies. Did, so. did you watch movie. it, Quinn? I don't know if you watched uh, it. So I, I started it because um, Joe Bob did it. So I ah. started yeah, with, with a lot of his talking and stuff. I was like, uh, so I haven't actually finished the movie. I maybe got maybe about an hour in or so, but I, I enjoyed it so far. I thought it was pretty neat. I'm feeling a lot of the Korean stuff lately too. Like I started watching oh. Game. I'll talk about that next week too. <laughs> yeah. But um, I also watched, uh, uh, I watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street with my friend Peter in China. And the first time I had watched it, I thought it was okay. So I came back to it with new eyes and I actually realized how great it was too. Just like, the story you know they have the false protagonist with tina and the special effects are just so fucking good like you know the scene with tina in the body bag and there's like fucking worms like i've never seen yeah. another horror movie like he's that cutting too. off his fingers or whatever yeah like, look at this them. he's so yeah. goofy freddy was never that goofy again like i guess first one second one a little bit but the first people rewatch the first movie he's so slimy and goofy <laughs> and gross and the other yeah. one like he's just got pizza on his face or something like yeah because well you cheap. and i were you and i were saying too like in the first movie he's presented as more kind of well i don't think they say explicitly but kind of like this child molester pedophile kind of character yeah he's, too. A, yeah, he's, he's supposed to be a pedophile yeah yeah and you buy freddie merch tomorrow at walmart <laughs> you know <laughs> everyone dressing up as, as freddie but then the later sequels they kind of drop this too and he just has these kind of one-liners and you're actually like encouraging him to kill off the the dull yeah. characters but here like I mean, the acting's pretty wooden. I mean, even from Johnny Depp. But I mean, like, you actually really like all the characters, except for like Tina's boyfriend. He was just kind of a creep. But like, <laughs> I, I mean, rather, I actually like Nancy. I like that leather Heather Lane came. Yeah, really she good. has. She's got like that Hermione Granger hair going yeah. on, you know. <laughs> so I think we'll probably we'll probably do that at some point. I would think. For oh, a, uh, we're gonna do all of them. Believe yeah. me, <laughs> even Freddy's dead. Come on, buckle in, folks. Watch all that horrible, the horrible remake. Oh my god, that's oh, shit. I haven't <laughs> seen the remake actually. That's the one I haven't. But, well, apparently uh, there's Jack yearly. Too much, John. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. ready to get hurt again. <laughs> uh, there's a there's also like a uh, I think they did a TV series too. In the it Freddy's sucks, nightmares. Like, yeah, the first one is like his backstory, which is I kind of want to watch the whole thing. So see I what he's it's all on about. Bootleg. I think I just read recently they're getting an official German release. So Curtis, you really might be in luck. There might be a German Blu-ray. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, but I heard this. It's just bootlegs. Otherwise, so you know, don't you didn't hear, didn't hear it from me, folks? If you Google, you can probably yep. find it. Hush. Mum's the word. Yeah, I also watched. Uh, Quinn gave a beautiful review of this on uh, Seat Struck reviews, uh, but I watched the new movie Watcher on Shutter too. This was really great too. It was with uh, Micah. What's her last name? I, should I always forget? <laughs> Micah. She was in It Follows. Uh, Micah Monroe, and oh, okay. she, yeah, she plays this American. It's kind of like a modern take on uh, Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. I think it was really, really good. And basically, this American woman, you know, she can't really speak Romanian. Her boyfriend's Romanian. She goes to Bucharest. And, uh, you know, she starts to get stalked by this creep. And there's a whole bunch of plot twists and turns, too. But, I mean, it's really fun. It's more suspenseful than gory. I mean, they have a gory kind of climax. Um, I was a little bit worried when I first started watching it. Because, you know, like, Eastern Europe always gets a bad rap. And either everyone's always either, like, a sex worker or, like, a serial killer or, like, just not friendly. And I'm like, and everyone on, looks like, yeah, forlorn. They're, like, yeah, everyone's staring from far away. Children. Yeah, everyone's going to want to go to Bucharest now because, like, yeah, meanwhile, they're all their creep. iPhones, like, <laughs> buying coffees and stuff. Like, oh, they're just like, yeah, hey. fucking hell, man. But it was a good movie. I really liked it. And I think yeah. I actually liked it more than it, it follows. And I think Michael Monroe is, is an amazing actress. So cool. 
she was really cool. great in the role. So it's yeah. worth checking out. I, I was reading about it after uh, you guys had talked about it. And apparently, like, I don't know much about Romanian cinema, but apparently it's got some nods to, like, Romanian, new Romanian extremism, which I guess is mm. similar to French extremism. So yeah, I, I, guess I, 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 I don't know much about Romanian films, but I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, me too. I can't think of any Romanian other Romanian films that I've seen, but I mean, I'm kind of curious to take the plunge. Um, and speaking of kind of world cinema, I also watched uh, a friend of mine had sent this to me. It's called Encounter the Spooky Kind. It was a Samo Hung film, so he was known as a, uh, I think he was a stunt double yes. for Jack, Jackie Chan, or and was it Bruce Lee? Became a filmmaker in his own right. Love yeah, Samo. did a ba- bazillion movies, and this one is about. I mean, he's <laughs> he's such a funny character because he just plays an absolute idiot, <laughs> and his you know his wife's cheating on him with this evil necromancer, and the necromancer summons like vampires and weird shit. And I mean, the special effects are actually really done, well done. And the kung fu scenes are great. I mean, there's there's a bit of issue with pacing, I think, which is why I didn't think it was a good movie. But I mean, it's it's you know close to a good movie, I think. And it's fun to watch. You know, if you have a if you're if you're not feeling well or if you're hungover or something, you can watch Sammo Hung, and I mean, he will make you laugh. It was really funny, and I, I like this kind of humor more than I love Jackie Chan too. One of my favorite uh, martial arts films is Drunken Master, and that has a lot of like slapstick too. But I like. Sammo Hung's brand almost a little bit more. Maybe that's controversial, but um, yeah, it, it was. It's worth uh, checking out, I think. And I also I was excited about our Masters of Horror, uh, which we'll be looking at next week. So I watched mm-hmm. the most controversial one, uh, which is what ba- was banned when it came out by uh, Takashi Miike. He's, bit, he's a Japanese filmmaker, a bit of a freak. Uh, he did Visitor Q and uh, uh, what was some, some other? Oh, he did Audition too. He so he always killer, I guess. Yeah, very very transgressive filmmaker, very excellent filmmaker. But I watched Imprint which is based on a, a, a Japanese folk tale. It's about this American man. He goes to visit this brothel. It's Victorian era kind of brothel in, in Japan. He's looking for this woman that he left behind there a long time ago. He's like this white savior. He's going to save her from, you know, her fate or whatever, some <laughs> shit. Yeah. Billy, Billy Drago. <laughs> yeah, loves anime. Has Let's it on go his watch backpack. Naruto, babe. <laughs> has, a, has a Hello Kitty. Oh, that's Chinese. <laughs> but it's Billy, Billy, Billy Drago plays the American. I actually thought the American guy was the worst part of it. Um, but yeah, basically he meets this, this prostitute and uh, she tells her life story too. And he keeps telling her, you know, you're, you're not telling me the whole truth. So she tells like three different versions. And as she keeps telling versions, they kind of get more disgusting. You know, I won't give too much away, but there's aborted fetuses. There's like nails in people's fingers. I mean, it was, it was hard to watch like for me. And I can see why <laughs> Mick Garris tone it down. But I think he's also kind of t- tro- trolling kind of Western audiences too, you know, with the, the, white savior thing too and and what our limits are as well too in terms of the human body and what we what we experience so i mean i think it's the best takashi miike um anything i've seen so far um i'm i want to watch more of his stuff but uh yeah i mean if you can handle it i mean just just be very very uh make sure in a very good place when you watch it and it is very very hard to watch but i mean it is you know done by a master of horror filmmaker so I think that really represent it's a good representation of the series as a whole. So that might be worth checking out. And then the final thing I watched was uh, Higher Learning. It's a John Singleton film, RIP. He died uh, last year, I think. Best known for Boys in the Hood. And, you know, I love my Ice Cube, you know. So <laughs> Ice Cube's in this one, too. It's 1995. All-star cast, you know, Jennifer Connelly and Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson played the uh, OG Buffy the Vampire Slayer That's in the right, movie, yeah. too like oh my god like every woman in this movie is so beautiful tyra banks is in it too her first <laughs> acting role omar epps is in it i mean oh and Lawrence fishburne too plays this like um he plays this like black conservative like 
professor from the West Indies. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I, I think he was actually the worst part of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's a really well done film. A lot of people say, you know, it's a little bit all over the place. It does take on a lot of topics too. It takes on obviously racial divisions and, uh, you know, um, sexual assault and it deals with, uh, you know, rat I think m most prominently was the radicalization of, of impressionable young men too. So there's like a skinhead group and they radicalize a young man in it too. And obviously that has terrible consequences because, you know, fascism is always characterized by violence, which never ends well. Um, but I think it's one of my, I, I liked it more than Boys in the Hood and I loved Ice Cube in it. He disappears for like 30 minutes in the movie. And I'm like, oh man, I really want, I want, I want my brother Ice Cube back. And I mean, he comes into his roommate's house and he plays, Mar Quinn, you would love this. He starts playing Marvin Gaye. I was like, man, like I would live this with this guy. Like this is great, you know. <laughs> These cool black parties, I'm in, man. <laughs> so it was, it was really great. And it's really, uh, really too bad what happened with John Singleton. But I'd like to watch more of his movies too. I want to watch that one with uh, Tupac Shakur, uh, Poetic Justice, which I just found out about yesterday. But also heard it's very good. Yeah. So that's I everything. On, I have that on tape actually. Poetic oh, cool. Justice is fantastic. Yeah, it's Janet Jackson and. Um, and Tupac Shakur, unlikely combo, but like, I mean, I'm kind of keen yeah. to see them together. <laughs> so, uh, very good. Yeah. And I guess now we, we move to our watch list too. So, what did, what was on your watch list this week, Quinn? Uh, yeah. So, um, I added a couple of things. I'm just going to bring up the notes here. Um, yeah. So, the first movie that I added to my watch list is a movie called Cure. Uh, it's from 1997 and it's a, um, it's a Japanese movie, and basically it's about a frustrated detective deals with the case of several gruesome murders committed by people who have no recollection of what they've done. So it's a crime, horror, mystery, thriller. Um, yeah, it just got really good reviews. I ended up finding out about it um, in an article, so I added that to my list. And like we said earlier, some of the uh, some of the best best films that i've watched over the last couple of years they've been um foreign korean movies japanese films and stuff so uh definitely excited to see that uh another one that i watched or i added to my list rather is a movie called angel heart uh an yeah. 80s movie 1987 robert uh, de niro <laughs> yeah and mickey rourke and uh before his face was fucked up <laughs> that's right and, uh, as a, a private investigator is hired by a man who calls himself Louis Cipher to track down a singer named Johnny Favorite, but the investigation takes an unexpected and somber turn. And it's funny because I just listened to a podcast with um, Kevin Smith, who I I love. I think he's great, and uh, he mentioned this movie, and he was also saying that there's a rumor that Mickey Rourke actually had sex in his sex scene. And anyways, he talked about this movie and he said that it was really good. So I was like, oh, Angel Heart. I don't know if I've ever heard of it. So I ended up adding Wait, it. The to sex my scene list. or the movie or both? Uh, I haven't seen anything. But I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I'm intrigued. Um, <laughs> and uh, the last um, the last movie I added uh, this week is a movie called Cold Fish, um, another foreign film. Um, this one's also Japanese and, uh, it's a crime drama thriller and it's about the lives of a bored suburban couple are changed forever when a seemingly nice old man, as soon his gruesome hobbies are brought to light. Sounds great. Um, 
Yeah, no, yeah. Apparently, it's awesome. I uh, came out in twenty ten. Pretty long watch, two hours and uh, twenty six minutes. So, um, definitely gonna have to watch that when I'm uh, when I'm fully committed. But uh, yeah, apparently, it's pretty gory and pretty pretty crazy. And I think it's like a pretty uh, pretty bloody movie by the sounds of things. Um, but uh, what about you, Curtis? Would you uh, what did you add this week? Yeah, so I added a couple things to my watch list too. So I added the uh, Netflix miniseries. It's a four, I think it's three or four episodes. It's called Lost Ali. Uh, Ali. Uh, I think it's by the uh, Pixar team too. It's kind of like um, CGI and also like human face. I forget what the word is for that too. But um, uh, Jonathan Groff plays this uh, <laughs> this little rabbit thing, and he's been lost from his owner, so he's trying to find it. So if you thought, you know. Finding Nemo was pretty heavy. I think this one takes it to the next level. And I think there's like an evil clown character too. They all have these weird Southern twangs and they're obviously not Southerners. So like, it's a bit weird, but um, yeah, I might, I might check that out. Uh, I, I started watching the first episode and I also, uh, I was reading a really good book on pagan goddesses recently. So I it told me about this uh, 1970 uh, documentary called uh, Legend of the Witches. I think it's on YouTube. And, you know, it's just exactly what it sounds about to just kind of a lot of the mythologies about witchcraft. But the, the British always have really interesting uh, witchcraft uh, documentaries and films. So I'm keen to check that out. I also want to watch uh, my girlfriend told me that The Crown is really good, too. I always I obviously have mixed thoughts on the British monarchy, but uh, I'm, I'm really inter- I hate Margaret Thatcher, but I'm really interested to see Gillian uh, Anderson play Margaret Thatcher. So that's one thing that I want to check out too. And I heard it's really cool too, like the different time periods they have in, yeah. in her life too. So I might check that out. Really interesting too. You know how a lot of people have like mixed thoughts on the monarchy, but everyone like fucking loves this show too. So I guess when it's fictionalized, maybe, <laughs> maybe I guess it's more to talk about. Um, you know, I'm still feeling the Ice Cube too. So I do want to watch uh, one of his other films too. And I want to watch um, the 90s film. I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but I really like Friday and I want to watch Barbershop uh, next too. I think it's kind of in the same vein. You've seen it, eh? It's good? Yeah, it's it's Barbershop's okay. It's fun. But like yeah. Friday, you know, Friday, Boy Meets, or Boy Meets World. Um, Boys in the Hood, rather. Um, yeah, Friday. Those are like his best films. Uh, he's got a few other ones that are like must-sees, but yeah, Barbershop's fun. It's a cool cast anyways. Cool. Well, I'll definitely check it out. Um, and yeah. I also saw a trailer for this new movie on Netflix. Uh, it's a Norwegian film called Troll, and I love Troll Hunters, so I thought Troll might be fun to check out too. And the last one, um, I really like uh, Brendan Gleeson a lot too, and he was in this movie called uh, uh, Calvary, which is kind of like he plays this Catholic priest uh, in this kind of very secularized uh, community, but he's actually like a really good Catholic priest too, and he has to live with the stigma of, you know, systemic abuse and that sort of thing too and the director did in a previous film with brendan gleason called the guard where he plays this like alcoholic drug abusing cop <laughs> and he's teamed up with uh, don Cheadle of all people so i'm kind of keen to see what that's all about and uh, i might check that out what about you john what did you add to your watch list yeah i, wa- I added a uh, three i guess i would classify them as like pregnancy horrors because who doesn't love having a feel bad time <laughs> watching movies so uh the first one I got, I kind of went chronologically. Uh, I think. Oh no, actually I didn't. Never mind. Scrap that. Oh, anyways, the first one, semi chronological, uh, Baby Blood, a 1990 film directed by Alan Robach. Um, this one's actually been described as very similar to Basket Case. Um, it's it's a it's a French splatter film. Don't really know a whole lot about it, but uh, it's gotten some pretty interesting uh, commentary. So interested to check that one out. Uh, a more recent one from 2007. 
uh, directed by Alexandra uh, Stills and uh, Julianne Mori uh, inside. Um, oh, that one's I've heard, gross. Uh, yeah, gross. I've heard this is described as like <laughs> oh, French extremist Home Alone. Yeah. I've also heard it's really fucked up. And as it's really my fucked reaction, up. it sounds pretty fucked up. So I'm excited for a good feel good time watching this, you know, with the family. <laughs> um, I'm sure it'll be a great, uh, great experience. And then uh, last one's actually a classic one. I actually, I think I've seen this one before a long time ago. Classic Larry Cohen, one of his best. It's Alive, which I think there's also <laughs> like four or five sequels too. But uh, uh, this is, of course, from 1974. Um, it's like an evil baby movie by Larry Cohen. I mean, we should probably talk more. I know we've talked a little bit of Larry Cohen films. We talked, I think, Q, The Winged Serpent. And then Courtesy watched that. We've mm-hmm. talked a few of his films. Uh, great kind of B movie director. But, you know, someone who actually is kind of, uh, I'd kind of classify him as almost like a Corman type. You know, he's actually a really kind of brilliant filmmaker in his own way. Um, so kind of excited to check that one out. Um, I'll maybe I'll watch all the shitty sequels too if I've got the time for it. So um, yeah, that, that's all I've added to my watch list. And that takes us to the main event, uh, Quinn's selection for his canon series, um, Waking Ned Divine, or also called Waking Ned. Apparently, I guess in the UK side, it was called Waking Ned. I don't know why they added Divine to the American release. I guess they're a lot too confusing for the Yanks to put no Divine on it or something. I don't know. But uh, anyways, Quinn, so... I, I never heard of this film before until you, you mentioned, it, of course, offhand on a podcast a few moons ago, and I was intrigued. And um, this is, of course, a, a kind of an Irish film uh, directed, I believe, by uh, Kirk Jones, who this is actually his first film. He made like Nanny McPhee. And I think more his most recent film was My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. Uh, so he's been kind of, you know, working in the industry for a while. Uh, what, but when was the first time you watched this, Quinn? And why, why did you want to pick this one today as your canon selection? Yeah, no. So I have an uncle in Toronto. And when I was a kid, um, we were, you know, he had sort of this cool little basement, sort of like big screen setup. Like it was like a movie, a movie den anyways. And he was like, oh, I, I have this movie that, you know, you guys will really like. So like my dad and I watched Waking Ned Divine and we were like, holy shit, this is great. Like, it's funny. It's well shot. It has a, an interesting story. It's very like communal with the small sort of Irish village that it's set in and uh I don't know just as a kid I I just I loved it I immediately loved it and uh I know later on it it got it got more praise kind of as you know the years went on and um yeah I don't know I just it and it it might be sort of a uh a nostalgic thing for me to this one where just you know that specific trip um to my uncle's was sort of a you know, uh, a big, a big piece of um, n- nostalgia, I guess, the the memories that I had from that particular trip and watching that movie. But, um, you know, it still holds up. It, it's it's fun. It's it's funny. Uh, it's got good writing and 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 some great, great shots. And it's unfortunate, too, because I don't know if you guys knew this, but Ian Bannon, um, the lead in this, uh, he uh he passed away about a year later after this movie hmm. uh, came out. He uh, he ended up like rolling his car in Scotland, and I think him and his wife died in a it was a terrible car crash. Wow. And hmm. uh, yeah, su- super sad. And he died. Um, he died in his early seventies. And then the co uh, the co lead as well is um, David Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. yeah, who was um, a phenomenal actor he was uh he played grandpa joe in the uh remake of the uh charlie and the chocolate Factory. yeah direct direct he also by, has a uh, small role in stardust too i should just know he plays the guard the yes guys. that's right he's the he's a guard there right? yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, no. So he was in, uh, he had over 120 roles. And uh, yeah, a, a lot of people would recognize him as Grandpa Joe in the remake, the T- Tim Burton remake of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But um, I always saw him as Michael O'Sullivan in Waking Dead Divine. Um, yeah, no, very, very funny movie. It's about um, it's about a uh, two friends who uh, they haven't heard from their friend Ned in a couple of days. And they go into his house, you know, the doors unlocked, very, very safe Irish community. And they find him uh, dead in his chair in front of the TV. And he's holding a winning lottery ticket. So they end up taking the lottery ticket and they're like, well, Ned would, uh, Ned would kind of want us to, to, to enjoy the money and, and spread the money across the community. So they, have to sort of commit a little bit of fraud claiming that they are oh, well Dave Kelly was he's Ned Divine and he has to get the money in order to share it with the community and stuff so it's hilarious especially the scene where the the guy from the lottery comes to the house and he has to sort of pretend and, and they're like oh kid throws on the helmet hilarious. yeah hilarious and then meanwhile there's a bit of a Karen in this small town <laughs> there was always one <laughs> fucking hilarious in this yeah and she um yeah she is uh you know sort of suspicious and how they got the money and how things are kind of kind of uh unraveling and she kind of sticks her nose and and uh needless to say when she uh well i'll just say it just spoiler alert Towards the end of the movie, she's freaking launched. <laughs> she's launched <laughs> off this cliff. Who's standing in a phone booth? That's all I'll say. This like, is she okay? <laughs> well, it's, I, I think so it's, such a, it's such a cool idea with this, like the lottery is a like plot device too, because you know it, you're exploring this small town life, and they've never had like enough money yeah. to like yeah. the lottery and titles too. So I mean, it's that dream of kind of social, you know you know going up in social ascending in social class too which is really interesting too but a lot of times they don't they wouldn't know they don't really know what to do with the money once they have it too and everyone dreams of having the money but i think when you actually have like a lottery win you know you get everyone calling you up and like oh can i have like ten dollars no you can't <laughs> you know oh he's an yeah. asshole don't talk to him you know and i think it'd be you know i don't know for me i think life would be better without winning any lottery and just make your money and just share it and just <laughs> don't tell anyone that you're you have a lot <laughs> I, I found so the beginning funny. of this movie so charming too because like i mean the, the main driver of this is of course ned divine passing away the moment he wins the lottery but before that we you know jackie is watching the the t- telly or he's reading the newspaper afterwards he finds out that someone's won the lottery in their small town and there's only about 52 residents and he's talking with michael and they're like we have to find out who it is and so there's a little bit of almost like it reminded me a little bit of canadian humor i mean this is a classic village comedy and all these village comedies are all about kind of the small town little relationships between people there's a little bit of tension too under the surface as well and a lot of this a lot of the humor in the beginning is sort of them especially jackie trying to um talk to various people and they think it's pig finn who's this like local farmer guy they call him pig finn because he's raises pigs and he stinks and it's so funny because they go to visit him and he like gives him a bunch of soaps and stuff because he's trying to woo this uh this other woman maggie um yeah. who has a young boy and and he actually thinks it's his kid uh, there's imply that they've had a relationship or a tryst and that's his kid and um 
it's so funny at the beginning, especially when they have the big dinner and like Michael and 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 Jackie are just pissed. They've been drinking like all day. They're and, and, and like it's just it's so funny and it's funny because like the people at the party are like, oh, so Jackie, like if you seem to be wanting to have all these parties, what why why is that? He's like, oh, I just want to spread love with all my friends. Who wouldn't want to do that if you won the lottery? And they're just like, hmm, I wonder. And like it's funny to see like all these characters kind of thinking they have one over the other and i i just i was really struck by um uh, seeing all the residents and tally more uh you know it's a great way of also just introducing the characters of the story because we kind of meet all these kind of interesting personalities who are kind of all interconnected living in the small village together and um these become kind of the main characters of the story so it's kind of a fun way to develop it before that little bit of a twist uh, finding out who who actually won and and their death and, and I think I was struck also by just how how warm the story was like if this was so many stories that using this plot frame device would go in more of like almost like a meaner direction or try to be a little bit more conviving, con conniving. But there's this great sequence where Jackie has this dream where he's in a boat with Ned and he kind of comes out of it with this revelation that, you know, they shouldn't be kind of pitting these, themselves against each other. And they should Jackie and Michael shouldn't be kind of conspiring on their own to find out who took the money so they can claim it. They should actually just share it amongst each other, and um, it, it's it's really funny, especially when they find out it's actually what six six million pounds or something like that. It's a lot more than the the six figure sum that they thought it was going to be. Well, I think uh, you know what really makes this film special too is you know I've never been to Ireland too, but I've been to a lot of small towns in the UK and stuff too, and you have, you do really have that small town feel to it. I think part of the appeal is just those little interactions that they have, you know, like oh you got to you got some beer at your door or something you know like and it's like those little the, the drama and the kind of interactions and it makes it makes it fun to watch i think <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah no i and yeah i i agree with curtis the 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 sort of village village vibe of this movie is fantastic and like i love <laughs> like you said I, I love finn with with maggie you know like if it wasn't for the pigs if it wasn't for the pigs and you know he's like trying, <laughs> trying to smooth her in the whole nine but I love uh, I love Jackie in this day. She's so funny, um, hilarious, and I love I love the scene when she comes in and he's acting like he won the lottery. He's like ripping the ticket. He's like, he's like, uh, like, he's like yes, 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 yes. Starts ripping up the ticket. Oh man, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, no, just a uh, great great movie all around. Super super fun. Yeah, and when this when this guy shows up to sort of it's kind of funny too because I mean I mean I'm we're we're from. I mean, me and Curtis, especially, you know, we're Canadian. We're, you know, fully, I'm fully red-blooded Canadian. It's kind of funny to see a little kind of, uh, with these village comedies, especially in the UK and in, in Ireland, it's fun to see kind of the differences between like the big city and the village. We have or this- like, Or like where we grew up in the, the burbs, you know, like- <laughs> Almost Americanized, like Irishman. He's just like, hi, I'm from, I'm from Dublin. I'm from the big city. And they're all like, he might as well be American or something. He's like totally a foreigner. And he, he shows up and, you know, he wants to, of course, talk to Ned Devine. And they you know, there's a little skit where they're at the beach, they're skinny dipping. It's so funny. And then Michael gets on the bike to like butt naked to, to get back so they can kind of do the old switcheroo. Uh, but we find out, of course, the sum is six million. That means he has to come back and kind of verify his identity. And it's there's so much fun comedy with that. And uh, especially I was really touched, though, um, that by the by the funeral at the end when they're having the big funeral for Ned Devine and uh, 
the guy the guy shows up like he's like how are we gonna know who the lottery guy is he's like don't worry he's 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 got an allergy so he's allergic to hay hay fe- he's got hay fever allergies so he's gonna show up he's gonna sneeze and he walks into the funeral and he's just like hot you and you see like everyone realize clue in they turn around it's a little bit of tension too because you think oh he's gonna he's gonna say ned he's gonna say ned divine it's gonna blow the whole thing open and then it's a little bit of fun kind of funny humor there that he sneezes and then it allows him to make the switch but it's a really sweet scene where he kind of gives that little little kind of uh you know it's a little bit of a eulogy not a real eulogy to michael i mean it's a little bit played for laughs because at the end he's like michael's like oh that he sounds like that michael sounds like a real good bloke eh? and he's just like yeah he just kind of wears on you a bit <laughs> just kind of like uh, slags a bit after uh which is pretty funny uh but uh, I, th- I think the the overall gimmick of the film is really funny too you know the, the, he wins the lottery but he's dead you know it just it makes you kind of yeah. chuckle a little bit too right i think it's um, really yeah to me it's just the friendship between jackie and michael i think the film really is focuses a lot on their friendship and the idea of like um you know what what it means to be a friend and, and being there for each other and uh and just for your family and, and your whole community i mean it's pretty funny with the priest and the and and the priest is almost like a foreigner here himself it's pretty funny because he's not from there he's kind of filling in for the other guy but he i was kind of thinking oh the priest isn't gonna find out and it's gonna it's gonna bust the whole thing open but no the priest actually knows what's going on he's kind of like yeah it's fine i'll, I'll cover for it uh, but him and the kid are talking and the kid's like he's like oh they're all gonna spend it at the pub anyway and then it cuts to the pub and the bartender's never been busier there it's like every who who, it's like who's gonna pay for all this everyone's like drinks are on me and everyone's just like willing to pitch in uh put pitch in for it and and it's it's it's, it looks like a pretty lively time at this pub i gotta say yeah and i guess uh like it kind of fits in really well with a lot of other kind of uh films this time too you know like you have the full monty and i think the big brass too yeah um yeah what did you think quinn did you did you like do you, are you well, I know you're a big fan of th- those other films too I think aren't you like the the full Monty yeah no I, I mean I I think this movie though um what what it comes down to sorry um a little off topic but um just the the acting itself like I thought Ian Bannon just played like uh such a great role and yeah. uh and he and uh, like I I loved how his um his generosity and his and his love for for his friends and the, and the community because like you said john it's only like 50 50 it's like 52 residents or something like that you said yeah. right yeah so um yeah no, i i i think that that might be other than the nostalgia factor of course but i think that's sort of uh my favorite aspect of the film i think i think what's really cool too is like you know everything they do like their everyday interactions you know, it's kind of like a lot of people would say, oh, it's kind of boring too. But for us watching it, I think it makes it really interesting too because it's kind of a bird's eye view into this kind of lifestyle that we're not really used to too. So it's exciting, even the little humdrum kind of uh, interactions to make it special. Fun fact, Quinn, I was just reading the Wikipedia page and they made this into a Bollywood film in 2006. I'm not surprised. I need to see this. (laughs) I need to see this Bollywood adaptation. It's it's called, uh, uh, I don't know if I'm saying right, Malamal Weekly, directed by Priya Darshan, and it was itself remade in Telugu. Yeah, and I won't say the full name there because I'll probably get it wrong. But fun fact, <laughs> I got a second. We got to check this out. Double feature: <laughs> Irish Ned Divine, Indian Ned Divine. 
Bollywood, yeah. Bollywood feature. <laughs> but what I also find interesting about this film too, I mean, it's 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 a village comedy, and, and you know, it has kind of it follows some of those tropes of other similar village comedies. But um, like other some some of the other village comedies too, it, it's not totally overly saccharine. I mean, there's a little bit of darkness kind of under this film. I mean, the whole framework is yeah. this guy's died, and there's a little bit of kind of dark humor when they go there, and it's like his corpse is there. And I couldn't imagine watching like the the bloopers of this where they're trying to mess around with his mouth and fix his smile. I couldn't imagine because you could kind of see them laughing a bit. I'll, I I could imagine they probably had to do like 20 cuts because they would have been laughing so hard trying to pose this guy. But like uh, we've, you know, the, the whole story between like Maggie and pig Finn is, is actually a little bit dark. And I mean, I mean, this is our deep dive. So, I mean, the kind of the little twist ending is the child is actually Ned Divine's son. And I'm like, there's a bit, a bit of kind of an age gap there and it's a little it's played a little bit dark at the end where it's like, okay, this child is actually the true heir of the fortune, but you know, she's like, I want to also, you know, I want to preserve the relationship with this man who, you know, thinks this is his child. And I also want, you know, the village deserves to have all the money and it's sort of, you know, the greater good over the individual. Uh, but there is a little bit of kind of under the surface. There's a lot of stuff going on, I think kind of drama wise. And I mean, the, the fucking lady gets launched like a fucking oh. beanbag and super smash brothers over the cliff into the, <laughs> into the water. She dies. And like, no one even seems to discover just kind of <laughs> she's left there or whatever i don't think she got out of that one but it's kind of funny because you're like how are they going to get around this creep this like mean lady you know she's probably not that bad there's probably a reason why she maybe she had a secret a crush on ned and you know I mean, no she's just an asshole and no they also just unceremoniously fling her off a cliff and the movie ends like five minutes later so um <laughs> I just, I, I just love how like, <laughs> I, I love how the phone booth like stays intact. Yeah, like it reminds me, it reminds me of the Wonka Vader in the original. Uh, oh yeah, the like, great glass elevator. Yeah, it's flying through the air like just fucking launched off this Irish cliff. Like man, that that Good engineering on that fucking uh, phone booth. I gotta say, man. <laughs> I heard you, uh, you, you could probably stack like uh, boulders on it or something will break. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. I, I was struck by, you know, it's warmth, it's love for people and humanity, but also just like true humanity, it's not all, you know, love and it's not all what it is. Sometimes there's stuff below it is the a cape, There's a Karen in town, you know? Like... Yeah, there's tension. Not everyone's going to get along. There's going to be, you know, intrigue, uh, unwed, and especially in Ireland. I mean, this is, you know, you know, Ireland famously um, when it comes to, you know, very, very religious, very Catholic. And I mean, this is, you know, Ireland is a country, you know, when it comes to like having children and, you know, you know abortion stuff like that that's wasn't even a that's a topic that's still been discussed even until recent recent decades so i the idea of having like a child out of wedlock and who's the father that's a very or, or even like alcoholism this. alcoholism too is also a kind of a latent thing yeah there's a little bit of that, that here too i mean i mean all these guys love drinking and i i, I yeah. have an affinity for that too I, ireland's my <laughs> yeah. ancestral homeland so uh i had I, I had a great thrill seeing this beautiful island and that beautiful score like the big pipes blaring while they fly over the film is very yellow a lot of like yellow hues and and sunny hues and uh i don't know i, I was just really charmed by it and and surprisingly this film actually uh, was quite a big hit i presume most of it was uh on the uk ireland side box office but it, it did pretty well for its budget actually in north america i think it made 25 million in the u.s and canada during its run and budget around three million dollars so this was kind of a bit of a stealth hit it actually did very well and uh was also a uh, got pretty good responses as well i think it got nominated for a few baftas as well uh roger Ebert was a fan of it good old roger he liked it and uh yeah i was really it was really fun to watch this one i really enjoyed it it was very warm very fun um i, I just felt like I, I had a great time meeting these characters especially michael god he was so funny 
and even the little like little notes where we find out he has like a wife who's died and like there's a little bit of humor there and it's like I, it was it was kind of funny seeing annie be like you know like it's one thing if you go to prison jackie like i'll come visit you but like michael if he gets arrested like he's done for he's got nothing to live for and it's like you know his friend is putting on a friend of being affable and friendly but there's a little bit of darkness behind him and like you know worse films would have a big monologue about oh yeah here's all his problems but this film no it just it hints at it and lets you kind of think about that in the back of your head you've already been with this character for over an hour and you know the film it's a very kind of mature film especially for a first time effort um i i know uh kirk jones he's been making commercials and other films so he's not like a he's not like a you, you see he made this in his solidly i think in his like 30s 40s but um you know for a first it's his first time theatrical effort and it's a very mature effort i think for, for his work absolutely so what what did you uh what did you guys score it like what, what did you think um oh, yeah i mean i like a lot of the i like the landscape obviously and like a lot of the interactions too I, I found some of the pacing for me was a little bit not always there for me so i give it three out of five uh but i mean it's very watchable it's very kind of uh um i mean i like the karen scene a lot where she gets <laughs> goes off the cliff that was great um and i like kind of drawing attention more to these kind of you know small town life and the working class and stuff too so yeah three out of five for me what about you john I, I was a three and a half. Um, I I liked I liked it a lot. It was very comfortable. I I mean, when it comes to comedies, these village kind of UK village comedies aren't really usually my my thing. I, I didn't really laugh at loud all that often, but I did find it very sweet and charming. Um, and I liked the fact that the story was mature and it wasn't totally saccharine and silly. Um, it did feel a little bit almost like too co comfy at times. Like it felt like the story. Um, once once we get to like. The, the IRS guy, well, the Ireland equivalent, I guess, of the IRS guy coming back to the town. The film is kind of already over. And, and I, I felt like it kind of ended with a, kind of some interesting kind of plot threads that didn't really resolve. So uh, I gave it three and a half, though. I really enjoyed my time with it. Really comfortable film. Would be fun to revisit, too. Um, and I, I do think kind of production wise, it felt it's three million. It definitely felt a bit cheap, too. I, I felt the times like it, it like some some of the way it was shot and stuff. It, it maybe could have been a, bit, been a little bit better. Uh, but I had, I had a really good, really fun time with this. This was a nice, uh, nice, nice change. So, Gwen, you're just recommending all these moons I've never heard of, and they're like blowing my mind. <laughs> very, very treasures, yeah, yeah. Keep keep them coming, twin. And what about uh, Quinn? What did you What did you think of this? Where What would you rank this one? Oh uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it. I I got I got tons more that you guys might not have seen, but um, yeah, no, um, I think maybe I scored it a little bit high. You know, again, like it comes back to nostalgia and. This movie, uh, you know, I, I have a special place in, in my heart for this one. So I gave it a four, four out of five. Um, I just thought the acting was good. I thought the casting was good. Funny, you know, um, it, it's it, it's a buddy calm uh, village. I love the little village and it, such a communal human movie. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's funny. It's well written. It's yeah. well shot. Love, love the, the the famous motorbike scene where they're in the nude. They're just ripping through the... Oh, yeah, the, and then Jackie's the, coming back, and he doesn't have pants on, so he's holding the bag in his mouth. He's like, he's like yeah, where's the ticket? He's like, shit, has to go back and drive back and come back. Oh, man. That's, that's right. Yeah, no, just, just, it's just a fun movie, and I, I don't think it overstays its welcome to. It's not, it's not overly yeah. long or, or overly boring or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I gave it a four out of five, and uh, yeah, just... A, a great movie uh and definitely a, a classic piece of irish cinema for sure well that means overall three and a half so pretty good score um yeah if you're out there uh it's i i don't at least here in canada i actually rented this one myself um but you could probably find it either video on demand rental uh probably could buy it um 
it's uh it's available it's out there um if you sail the seven seas you could probably pirate it but you know you should support the filmmaker you know give them their due um even though it's from like 30 years 20 25 years ago but yeah check out waking ned waking ned divine uh really cool film and uh was very charmed by it and uh yeah it was great i'll check out more village comedies too because uh, i really enjoyed kind of the warmth of just like the character in this film like uh, i feel like too many comedies like i while i find them funny um, if they're not going for totally dadist weirdness like a tom green or you know it's like some adam sandler film if it's or i guess like you know more like adam mckay if it's not like that I, I like something that's a little bit more warmth and kind of human and, and something like that so i'll have to check out check out more of those as well too and uh, yeah, that, I guess that's about it for our discussion. I mean, we're, our, our next episode, uh, for those listening, uh, we're going to be back on a John Carpenter. We're almost at the end. I think it's our penultimate episode. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be talking, uh, I guess, the double feature. We're going to be talking the two Masters of Horrors films he made. Um, we, I, I mean, we talked a little bit briefly. Curtis mentioned Masters of Horror, talking the, the, the film imprints. But I think we'll probably talk a little bit about what Masters of Horror is, talk about that show, our experience with it, and then we'll talk the two Carpenter films Um Cigarette Burns and Pro Life, two classics, two titans of his filmography, up there oh. with the thing, you know, the fog. <laughs> but move cigarette, aside, big trouble. Cigarette, cigarette Burns also has snuff film stuff too, so yeah, <laughs> connected to Sinister today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna check those out, chat those, and then I think um, next non-John Carpenter episode, it's Curtis's canon film, and we're talking Werner Herzog talking. Grizzly Man, uh, which I actually just watched Timothy yesterday. Timothy and the Bears. <laughs> I, I, I watched it recently. I'm catching up. I want to watch a bunch of stuff in advance, so I, I watched it for the first time. Uh, it's my, sec- my second nature pick, but I think after that I'll get some Grindhouse stuff or something, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of Tarantino's favorite movies. <laughs> so I'll have to, yeah, it, it, we're going to talk about that one. That one's coming up. And uh, yeah, we've also got some stuff coming up uh, for October. We're September right now. It's September 4th. But uh, for October, we're going to be doing kind of a little bit of a spooky canon. So we're all going to have, there's about five Sundays in October. So I think we're going to do five films. We've all picked a few selections, some of our all-time favorite personal canon horror films, um, kind of from a wide range of kind of subgenres of horror from like found footage to slasher to kind of like more, I guess, like, comedy psychological a lot a lot of stuff and from different decades and years you know 80s uh to more recent decades i'm really excited and some of a lot of these are classics i've never even seen before um some of them are kind of old favorites so excited to uh, to check them out and we'll also be doing uh, as mentioned uh we're going to be wrapping up our carpenter with a little bit of bonus stuff so we're going to be doing halloween 2 which carpenter wrote but didn't and, and did the score from but didn't actually direct uh so we'll talk halloween 2 halloween 3 as well which is one of my favorites uh, which he, I think, did the score on, but didn't write or direct. But um, we'll also probably wrap up and talk the rest of the kind of pre, I guess, new film, I guess pre-zombie as well, too. The Halloween, like, con- continuity, there's so many fucking timelines. It's so confusing. I yeah, Rob Zombie, the Rob Zombie. <laughs> like, the newest ones, the 2018 and onward ones, skip Halloween, too. But all the other ones, well, not the Rob Zombie ones, they're their own thing, but the other ones, all the 90s and 2000s, they actually follow the the halloween 2 and onward kind of it's it's very confusing folks but you know none of these franchises they all play i mean we just talked nightmare on elm street freddie goes from a pedophile maniac to everyone's favorite wisecracking killer <laughs> buy his toy mattel or whatever it's, 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 it's an interesting wild. thing of uh the serial killer and celebrity culture too because it's yeah. kind of a culturally taboo in like a lot of other societies but in the west especially in america it's very and in canada too it's kind of glorified which is quite problematic when you think about it but <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Jack, it all goes back to Jack Ripper. He's the one who caused all this. Damn it. Mm-hmm. The British press, they <laughs> fucked up. Anywho, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's what we got coming up. Anything you guys want to uh, mention or plug, though, uh, as we uh, as we wrap things up? That's all right. Um, yeah, no, go ahead, Curtis. No, I just I was coughing. Sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, no, check out um, Instagram. I write reviews on movies that I like uh, at Seatstruck Reviews on Instagram. Uh, I got my Mandy review coming up. I got to finish that. So that'll be out probably this week. Well, looking forward um, to it, buddy. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, that's about all I have to plug. Uh, oh, have- I actually do have something. Um, hey. So my brother was really nice and he um, he made a personal website for me to curtisrunsettler.ca. It comes up in Google now. So you can search it on Google and it'll come up. And I thought just a nice place to kind of for promoting new publications. And I, I just... Uh, had some good news for the publisher too, so I, I'm hoping that a book book contract will come out soon. So more about that when I get it gets approved. But uh, good things are coming. So publishers are interested. Uh, to quote yep. the guy, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I'll it has a home. It has a home. <laughs> yeah. So Curtis Redstiller.ca that'll be in the websites or the or the show notes. So the website will be in the show notes, folks. If you listen on your whatever platform, uh, the link will be there. Uh, cool stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, my podcast, Domestic Pints Only, where we got stuff coming through the pipeline at some points. Been busy because I've been sick, and you know we just did a little yeah, feel better John. weekend last weekend, and it's just been a lot of stuff going on. So. Uh, we might have some, and I'm getting married next week, or sorry, not next week, Jesus, next next month. Uh, so <laughs> my my schedule is a little frazzled. So I think our our podcasting on that might the the releases might be a little infrequent, but uh, got some stuff coming up. So stay tuned. And uh, yeah, that's about it for me and the rest of the gang. So folks, uh, if you win any lottery tickets, just you know think about your friends, share them with your community, share the love, share the funds. Be a good um, person, yeah. <laughs> especially if you know me and. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll uh we'll give, see help, help pay for his wedding <laughs> exactly yeah yeah give, give quinn quinn needs a nice honeymoon too give him some yeah come too. on man you know <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind going you know a nice warm area and anyways folks we'll see y'all again next week take care see you guys and raise your spirits to the sky raise them to ned divine god bless you ned may we be forever in your debt Ned Divine. Ned? To me. Sorry for my going away And all the sweethearts that e'er I had They'd wish me one more day to stay See-